Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I want to welcome those joining us online as well. Um, we're just excited when, you know, back um, oh, a month or so, month and a half, Kate and I sat over breakfast do a lot of talking over bacon, hash browns, and eggs, you know what I mean? So uh, we were talking about Christmas and building the service around the words of Advent. And uh, one of the things that he and I felt very strongly about was that we wanted the redeemed of the Lord to say so. You know, we have a beautiful church, but God does great work in the church, a little church. And this power when the church testifies. It's one thing when I say it. It's another thing when the people in the seat say it. And so we've built these, this series around that, that every time we do a word that, that relates to the Advent, that there would be a testimony connected to it because there's nothing more powerful than a testimony. And so today, Casey Maxwell is going to come. Uh, his wife, Marsh, they have two little boys in our church. Uh, I love those little boys. They're all boys, but I love those little boys. They're great. So I want you to welcome Casey as he comes this morning. Good morning, church. The lights haven't gotten any dimmer. Merry Christmas. I was... uh, I was getting ready this morning and uh, drinking a little coffee and sitting in the chair. And for those of you that know my wife, know that knows that uh, she likes to decorate. And we're almost done decorating Christmas, but uh, as I as I looked over this morning, the nativity scene that was sitting on the table there was in perfect order. And I couldn't help but think about how blessed we are and what a gift we've been given for the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas morning. I wouldn't be standing up here today if it wasn't for him and uh, sending his son to die on the cross for sins. And It's a a beautiful thing and one that we can't take for granted. I want to thank uh, Pastor Jeff and Cade and Tommy and the whole church for uh, asking me to come and speak and share what God's done in our lives over the last four years. My beautiful wife sitting over here has been through hell. And we haven't arrived, but we're trying. Every day is a battle. Uh, even yesterday. Um, but what God has done in our life and the story that, uh, that he's wrote for us is, is nothing that I could have ever imagined. 
You know, one thing that I've learned is that, uh, as God said, he never, he never told us life was going to be easy, right? In John 16, it says, you will have sufferings in this world. But be courageous. Because the good news is, is he's conquered. In uh, July of 2017, July 4th, Miles was born. And I shared this first service. It's no coincidence he was born on July 4th. That boy is all cowboy. And he's a firecracker. And we're blessed. Uh, Mason was uh, four at the time. He's our engineer. Um, We never thought there was going to be another bad day. We lived up here north uh, north of the church. I had a couple of horses. I had a good job. I had uh, completed the obligatory bushland barn. Complete with spray foam insulation and LED lights. And uh, we thought everything was headed our way. After Miles was born, Marsh started having some problems. Wasn't feeling very good. And in March of 18, she had her gallbladder taken out. It was full of gallstones. Recovery from that surgery was pretty tough. Uh, Looking back now, we probably should have been a little more aware at the time. But, uh, you know, she, uh, she got sick. She threw up every day, multiple times a day. Um, for over a year. Uh, She's pretty hard-headed, and it took me a while to get her to go to the doctor. She lost a ton of weight, couldn't keep anything down. We got into what I'm going to tell you is the best GI doctor in Amarillo, and it's no coincidence that God sent us on his path. She was diagnosed with gastroparesis, which is basically a fancy word for your gut doesn't work. Um, All the motility in her gut had quit. Um, She couldn't, basically couldn't process and digest food. She was on IV nutrition, hooked up to a bag. We mixed a lot of those bags. In December... uh, there's not really, a, a, I guess I'll call a medical cure per se for gastroparesis. And we were kind of grasping at straws, and she was going downhill pretty quick. And uh, there's an experimental surgery in Dallas that we went and did. She was the first patient in UT Southwest to have this procedure done. And uh, they opened up her pyloric sphincter where the food basically could drain out of her stomach and be digested. The surgery worked. When we left there, food was flowing out of her stomach. And we really thought we were on the path to recovery. <laughs> she kept having problems, and uh, we, uh, we, they took her off the of TPN. It's a pretty short-term uh, solution, and uh, tried the stomach tubes to where they could, uh, we could put formula in those stomach tubes. She had all kinds of trouble with those stomach tubes. She would throw up so hard that uh, the, the 
piece that was in her small intestine would coil and uh, come up into her stomach. We had, by that time, we had secured an appointment to the Mayo Clinic in uh, Arizona for August. And uh, I had tremendous hope. To get ready for that, the doctor decided that uh, we were going to place a surgically placed tube to keep those others from coiling up to where she could uh, get some nutrition. We went into BSA for day surgery on July 12th, 2019. I think that was a Friday. That was going to be a day surgery. We were going to be home. We were going to move on. I had plans to be at a rope. In recovery, uh, she didn't do so well. A couple days went by and uh, she had a fever unlike no other. She was in tremendous pain and she was swelled up like a toad. And they finally discovered basically that that tube that they put in her stomach had slipped off the inside of that tube and her gastro uh, contents was leaking into her abdomen. And when that occurred, it created a giant abscess down in the bottom of her pelvis. Uh, There was multiple surgeries. There was multiple attempts to drain the abscesses. There was massive amounts of pain. And from one of those uh, surgeries that she had where it didn't go so well, her body temperature dropped to 94 degrees one night, about midnight. She went from 94 to 104. Not sure that we're supposed to do that. After about 10 days of that, to be quite honest with you, I thought, next tomorrow, tomorrow's the day. We're going to get out of here. After about 10 days of that, I'd had all I could take. I was exhausted, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Couldn't do it anymore. For those of you that know me know I'm a person of control. I like to have all the data, the information, the plan, and come hell or high water, we're going to follow my plan. On July 28th was a Sunday morning. I hadn't slept in two weeks and probably hadn't taken a shower. And I woke up in the hospital room and I don't even know if Marsh knew, but I told her, I said, I'm going, I'm going to church. We'd been coming to church here about three years, four years at the time, I think. And that's a whole nother story about how God opened those doors there for us to walk in here. When I showed up, The music was playing, and Paxton had the perfect songs on that day. He always does. I cried like a baby over there during worship. Uh, Jeff and Melissa were gone that Sunday, and uh, Michael Carter preached. The title of his message that day was God's Wisdom. And the importance of knowing what God has stored up for us in His Word. And taking that word and and storing it in our own hearts for times when things might not be going so well. And he used an analogy in that sermon about the importance of having our toolbox. And what kind of tools do we got in our toolbox? And are we prepared 
for the day when it happens. Because it's going to happen. Before this, I'd have told you I was invincible. We were invincible. It wasn't going to happen to us. But it did. And I realized in that moment, sitting right there, that my toolbox was empty. It had a few worldly things in it, but it didn't have any of this in it. I'd been going to church for a long time. Saved at the age of nine and baptized in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I'm still a little upset about last weekend. But I didn't have the right tools in my toolbox. I didn't have a screwdriver. I thought I could will her way out of that hospital. I thought that I had the plan. The doctors were going to have the plan. And they tried hard. Every single one of them. But I couldn't do it anymore. In ministry time that morning, Justin and Shanna Schultz were standing down here. They were in our life group. They'd been with us through this the whole way. And I felt in ministry time, the Holy Spirit basically shoved me out of that roll, that row of chairs. I was bawling like a baby. I don't know how I got down here. It felt like I rolled. And Justin and Shanna met me with open arms and I didn't have to say a word. And in that very moment, God told me I had to let it all go. I couldn't have control anymore. I couldn't figure it out. I had to let it all go. There's been a few times since then that I go back and think I got it all under control. And he tells me, you ain't got it under control. I'm going to tell you this morning, after 25 days of being up there in that hospital, it'll make you want to jump out the window. I had had all I could take. Hadn't seen my boys in three weeks. We, sh- we kept them sheltered from it. Because quite honestly, we didn't know if we were going to get to bring her home. If there's somebody in here this morning that can't take it anymore, you're ready to jump out the window. You feel like you're going to explode. And the Holy Spirit is telling you to lay it all down here. Don't leave here this morning without doing it because it'll change your life. It may not change your circumstances and it may take a while, but it'll change your life. When I realized my toolbox was empty, I was, I was, uh, had a a long ways to go and I needed some tools. And uh, God showed me and led me to Romans 1, 1 through 5. Shortly after that, in the hospital room up there, it says, uh, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you know God, you've already got peace. All you got to do is look for it. We have also obtained access through and by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our, our afflictions. Because we know that our affliction, afflictions produces endurance. I needed a lot of endurance. We were just getting started. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. 
And that hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a little bit crazy this morning to look back. And as I said, we've not arrived. Every day's a battle. She's still fighting it. We talked yesterday about how many good things God has done for us through this entire journey. And there's been days where we were like the tumbleweeds on Friday, blowing from west to east and tangled up in the fence and didn't know how to get out. Pastor Cade asked me to share about what the peace of God means to me. And to be quite honest with you, at the first thought of that question and when I told Marsh, the last four years have been anything but peaceful. But when we look back and we think about all the good things that he has for us, it, it really has, uh, has set home for me. I, I tried to define God's peace last week. I wanted a definition. I couldn't find one. It says in John that God's peace surpasses all understanding. And he's done that in our lives. I can't understand it. Don't know why. Don't know why it happened to us. But I can tell you about what the good is that's come out of it. I wanted control. But the peace of God is surrendering our desire for control and selfishness and fully submitting ourselves to God's perfect will that he has designed for us. And that ain't a one-time event. It didn't stop when I let it all go here. I've had to do that a few times. But God's peace is knowing he's a God of second chances. That no matter how selfish I was, how selfish I've been since that day, that he still loves me. God's peace is drawn near to him so he can draw near to us. I've really reflected a lot about that verse. I don't think it's any coincidence that it's, uh, it's first that we draw near to God and then he draws near to us. God's always after our hearts, but when we and when I fully said, God, I can't do it anymore. I got to have you. He began opening the doors and showing me, showing me what it was I really needed to know. It takes work. Lots of prayer, worship, word, singing. The other thing that uh, I'll tell you has been important for me is reflection and slowing down long enough to reflect. I'm a journaler. Probably don't look like one, but I am. <clears throat> I have four full journals over the last four years of things, that events and things that are occurred. And this is just the beginning. Jeff's series in the fall of 2019 around experiencing God. My opinion is, is that's the most impactful series that I've been a part of in this church. Now the timing was right. And I think he wrote it for Marsh and I. God opened the doors in that time for me to have a new opportunity. In the job that I had at that time, I was gone 80 to 100 nights a year. Marsh took care of those two boys. She did it all herself while she was sick. And in that moment, God opened the door for me to have a job. A really good one. That I could be home every night. 
God's peace is knowing that life on this earth is temporary. And the ultimate healing will come one day. Whether it happens here on earth, I don't know. We struggle with that. But one day it'll happen. And we'll get to stand in his presence and spend eternity in heaven. And I can only imagine. God's peace is knowing he never intended for us to go through life alone. I can't describe what this church means to Marsh and I and our family. Can't describe. Our life group, there's several in this room, several in the first service. And there's been a lot through that life group. This church family, there was a day on that third floor. The entire third floor was full of people from this church praying. Our pastor, our worship team, our doctors. He's he's put us in front of some good ones. Some that not only understand medicine, but understand what it takes to get through this. I didn't share this in the first service. I didn't know if I could do it. Pastor Cade and his wife, Jenna. It's no coincidence that they're in this building. It was during VBS and Marsh and I weren't getting along very good. This has been pretty hard on our marriage. Cade was a pastor in Stanette. I grew up in Stanette. Never knew him, but we knew a lot of the same people. And on the curb out there, one night after VBS, when Marsh told me I needed to come meet this guy, I didn't know he was going to make fun of my pants every day after I met him. He's changed our lives. He stood up there and told me, and we were talking about something different. He said, when you get saved, you got to be different. I don't know how different I was. There's a lot of other people in this church and friends and family that mean a lot to us. God's freedom or God's peace is having the freedom to worship Him. Paxton and the team does a phenomenal job. Music means a lot to me. And they always got the right song. And the freedom to be able to surrender in this place, hands held high. I would have told you I was going to get struck by lightning if I ever lifted my hands in worship. It's the most peaceful feeling there is. I'm glad he left because I don't know if I could have said this. The peace of God is knowing that he has protected and raised up two little boys for us that faithfully pray every single night that their mom will be healed. And there's a lot of people in this church that have helped us raise them two boys and our family, our friends, and their turds, full-blown turds. But I'm thankful for them. 
the peace of God is knowing that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. We don't have the words. We don't know what to say. But I can tell you, he said them for me. It's one of my favorite songs in the last six months is that the, uh, the peace of God is knowing that he will make a way. There's a lot of days I didn't think we was going to make a way. That I didn't know what the way was, but he knew what it was. The peace of God is knowing there's blessings on the other side of obedience. Jeff just finished up the prune and cut series. I'm going to tell you, God has done a lot of pruning and cutting in our lives. I had visions when we lived over here that I was going to own a whole herd of horses. And all I was going to do was rope every weekend. And I tried that. I tried it after this moment. It didn't work. I bought a really expensive one. Best horse I've ever owned. And I felt God one day say, you got to get rid of him. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> the peace of God is submitting to God's will and plan for our lives, not ours. And know that we're called to use these trials and tribulations and share our story so that others can see God's love and goodness so that uh, they too can have hope and peace in Christ. In the midst of our own troubles, He uses us. We may not think we're worth it or that we can, but He uses us to minister to others. The peace of God is slowing down. I wanted to go 100 miles an hour. Drown out the chaos, chaos of the world. This place is a mess. And lay it at his feet because he's got the answers. God's peace is a journey, not a destination. We're still on it. And life is a battle that we must die to daily. There will be hardships. The other problem is all that is we got this guy called the devil. And he comes every single day to steal our peace. He tries it every day. He tried it yesterday. But God's peace is knowing that life on earth is temporary and that the ultimate healing comes with Jesus because God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our salvation. Life comes at us every day. We got two choices. We can keep doing me and think I've got control and rely on this, uh, myself and do it my way. I've tried that. I still try it on occasion. Or we can surrender to God and really understand what His plan is for our life. One of the most impactful things I think has been preached in this is uh, asking God, what is your will for my life? We gotta acknowledge how good he is even in the midst of our battle because I'm here to tell you that he's a chain breaker. He's broke a lot of chains in our life. He's a pain taker. He's taken away some pain. We still got a little. And when you're lost, we've been lost. He'll show you the way. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know Jesus. He's a prison shaking Savior. He'll save you and he'll show it to you. He wants to. Most importantly, 
for me and I think everyone else in this room is he's a God of peace. He loves every one of us. I think I've cried harder in the second service than I did the first, so I'm just gonna prepare y'all. I'm a crier. My nose is running this service, Dad Gum Casey Maxwell. So I do make fun of his starch jeans. That nice line, I'm, it's because I'm jealous. Cowboys always got that nice line. I don't have that nice line. Uh, I don't wanna pay the cleaner to do it, or maybe Marsh does it, I don't know. But I, I do give him heck about that. So sweet to hear their story, um, to see his sweet bride standing next to him. Um, and so we uh, are so thankful they were part of our church and we've gotten to go on this journey with them. Marsh is way better than he is. Uh, and Casey is incredible, but Marsh is, there's something great in her. Um, and so if you've never gotten to carry on a conversation with her, God's at work in her and doing things in the midst of this time in her life. And so very thankful for them today. Um, my wife leaned over to me a while ago and she said, you're supposed to follow this? And I said, I guess, I'm gonna try. And then I asked Jeff, do you even want me to preach? Um, I, I, didn't, I, I don't even know for sure what we're doing here, um, but um, I have a, little, a few things to say and I think it's important for us to wrap up in God's word before we leave from this place. Uh, I'll have a little bit of fun with you. If you, want, if you got to scripture with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter four. I'll just be in one verse, verse seven. I, uh, when I think of the term peace, I think about hunting. And I, I, uh, I love to shoot birds out of the sky. It's an obsession the last six years. And I loved pheasant. Um, I love dove. Uh, I love to shoot anything out of the sky. If you don't like shooting animals, I'm sorry, I eat them. Um, I'm not apologizing for it. Um, uh, I do eat them and all those things. I know some people are animal lovers. Um, and I, I, does that give me some grace that I eat them? Um, I hope that is. And so uh, I do love to hunt. I love to shoot birds. Some of you know that. Some of you have been with me bird hunting. And then this last year, this year, I've discovered duck hunting. And uh, it, I'm a full-blown addict at this point. And so... Um, it's, it's like one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. And so if you want to get me something, get me duck decoys, all right? And so it's that bad at this point. And so I'll take them if you want to give me some duck decoys. They got to be a good kind, though, all right? We can't, we can't do that. Um, I'm, I'm kidding with you, but I, I wanted to talk about hunting because it's something that I enjoy. Uh, and as, as I've gotten to duck hunt, one of the things that you do in duck hunting um, is that you set decoys out. And you create an environment that says to that duck, this is safe, secure, and it's peaceful. And you want to trick them at all costs. They've got ducks that go in the water like this and their butt moves and it creates ripples. I mean, I'm telling you, I've researched everything you can get. I want it all. Uh, I, want, I want it all on the water. I want every tool you can have. I want that duck to land so bad you can't even stand it at this point. And so it's, it's a full-blown thing. It, it, you create this atmosphere for them that says that it's safe and it's secure. 
and all, and then you, you blind yourself in, you camo yourself out, you, you don't wanna be seen, and there is nothing greater right now in the simplest of things than when a duck comes in and it opens up and it flares up. Stephen, you know what I'm talking about, where you at, holler, and it flares and you just shoot that thing right out of the sky. And then the greatest thing is you got this black lab next to you and he runs and gets it and you're like a little boy that just hit his first home run, man. He's bringing your duck back. It's the most incredible thing. I love it. Um, and I tell you that story because it's a passion of mine, but at the same time, when you think about that, we're setting an atmosphere. I represent the enemy in that, in that story for that duck. And a lot of us has bought into the lie that peace is an atmosphere. It's a calm thing. It's inactivity. And some of us have been decoyed in our peace. And the enemy decoys us out, and then he takes us out. Whether it be temptation, whether it be buying into the American dream, get a house, get a white picket fence, get some kids, get the right cars, get the right 401k, get the right job, and that's how you leave a legacy. There's nothing wrong with those things. But I can promise you this, that's not the legacy that Jesus left. It's not what he put his stock into. And I wanna ask you, you ever had your, your peace stalked like I stalked those ducks? Because every day, the enemy is after your peace. Because if he can disrupt your peace, he can get to a lot of things outside of the security of your salvation. He cannot touch that. But he can get to a lot of things. He can cause you not to sleep. He can cause you to get bitter. A lot of things come off of peace that God offers to the believer. And it's important for us to understand and know this, that peace is not an atmosphere, church. It's not the perfect scenario or inactivity or sitting and doing nothing. Peace is Jesus himself. It's him. And scripture backs this up in Ephesians chapter two. It says this in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. It calls in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, it says at the end of that, that he is the what? The prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. And we get so bound up, bound up in what we wanna do and how we wanna do it. A lot of times our peace is for sale. And then we wonder why when the enemy has decoyed us and he fires a shot and it wounds us and it hurts us, a lot of times we pop up and the first person that we blame is God. We just blame him. And sometimes our peace is disrupted by our own choices. And we walked right into the decoy. We walked right into the trap. God offers his son himself to the whole world. John 3, 16. He offers his son to the whole world so that we could be at peace, church. We could be at peace. And if you look in Philippians chapter four, verse seven, it says this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the first thing that we do a lot. We get bound to understanding more than we do getting bound to peace. 
We want to understand first, and then we think that peace comes with that. Anybody else guilty of this? Nobody else? No amens? We, we want God to lay the blueprint out, do we not? We want him to lay it out. It says in Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How about, uh, do you have the personality of somebody does something wrong to you? Well, I'm just gonna burn that bridge with them. Where in all of scripture does it say that you have the right as a believer to burn the bridge? Where in scripture does it tell you that you can tell your enemy what you wanna say and how you wanna say it? Scripture actually preaches the opposite of those things. It says to love your enemy. It says to love your enemy. How hard is that to do? We can't love our enemy if our peace has been decoyed by them. We can't love them. We can't do what we're called to do if our peace is off and what we've trusted in. And so we get bound to, I understand that they wronged me, so I'm gonna do what I want, and then maybe there will be some peace, or maybe they'll come and apologize to me, and then we can be at peace. How's that working out for you? See, sometimes that person did the thing that they did to you because God's working something in you that he needs to get to so that he can get to that person through you repenting of what you need to first. God works through all things for the good of those who love him. Does it not? Romans 8, 28. It's what God does. He works through those things. And so we get bound to this understanding more than we do the, the, this appetite for peace. And what, what do I mean by this? It's like when we go through trials, like what you're hearing from Casey this morning. Is that difficult? It's hard to understand how he got to that place. But Casey just explained in less than 20 minutes, four years of his life, and if he told you all the, the, the brutal things that happened up here, we would have been up here for about 12 hours, wouldn't we? You get to hear a small portion of it. I promise you, there was a point that Casey wanted to understand. He wanted to understand. And then there was a point in the back of the room where he gave it up. And he said, God, I want your peace more than I want to understand. That's what I want. My sister is here this morning, my older sister. I'll point out that she's older. Um, she's, she's got a better heart than me, though. I'll, I'll point that out, too. My wife's laughing because she knows it's true. Um, She's here this morning, and we've gone through things as a family where we want to understand, we want to understand why this is happening. I remember when she lost three babies. Boom, 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 boom. My brother-in-law is here too. That doesn't make any sense. All Haley wants to do is be a mama. It's what she wants to be. Why are we losing babies? And we think, God, give us the blueprint. Give me the blueprint of why this is happening. You don't want the blueprint, church. You can't handle the blueprint. Well, what is God gonna do then? He's not gonna answer my question. God's answered your question all throughout Genesis and Revelations. He has laid it out before you through Genesis, through Revelations to make sure that you know when tragedy happens, guess what? Do not fear, for I've overcome the world. There is promise after promise. There's an assurance after assurance that he is gonna make all that has been wrong, he's gonna make it right, church. There's an assurance in that. But we have this great appetite that we wanna understand more. Church, we don't need to put our stock in understanding. We need to put our stock in God's peace. That's in Christ Jesus. That's where we've gotta put our stock. 
I, I don't know, I, this is what I hear all the time. I just don't understand this world right now. Well, have you read the Bible? Have you read Philippians chapter four, verse seven? None of it makes sense, but God does. His peace does. And as believers, we ought to be more fired up right now than we've ever been as the church. You know why? Because chaos is happening. You know what Christ does in chaos? He uses his church and his bride. We ought to be on full-blown, pedal to the metal, peeling the tires right now as the church, going to fear, going to the gates of hell, getting people out. Because people are more open right now than they are to anything. Some of us are so caught up in offense. We, we're so caught up that transgender and homosexuals and all this, all this stuff is just opening up. What a better opportunity than to be truth in the middle of all of that. If we can drop the offense, we can maybe start making and being the vehicle that we need to be because people are wide open for whatever comes. Can we be the first to get to them though? Can we be the first because truth gets twisted? It's often so valuable. Winston Churchill said that it's often, truth is often so valuable that it gets barricaded by a body of lies to get to it. And that's, what, that's what's happening right now. There's a barricade around truth. And there's nothing better than go to the barricade and be able to get to remove people through God's word and truth and get to the truth for people. It takes kindness. It takes the fruits of the spirit. Amen, church? Patience. It takes those things to continue to make a difference in people. And as we go through things, just like I told you that example with my sister, the assurance that we have is that I believe someday I'm gonna be standing all together when we all get called home as a family. I'm gonna be standing there and there's gonna be nieces and there may be a nephew that's gonna come and grab my hand. I know exactly who they are. That's the assurance that we have. You know, you know what? What blows my mind about heaven, there's no more tears. Because that's hard to believe for me. There's no more tears. Have you ever been so happy that you've cried? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. And so what that assurance feels, God is moving and God is doing great things. Don't bound your understanding and don't trap yourself into understanding. Make sure that you trap yourself within God's peace which is in Christ Jesus, according to the scripture, right? And it's important when we see this scripture, which transcends all understanding. What does that mean? The peace of God goes beyond what we can ever imagine. It goes beyond what you can think up, what you can try to analyze, put the data, right, KC? Put all those things down. It goes beyond that. You cannot blueprint God's peace. You can only surrender to him. So quit trying to do those things. John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting that the king of kings, what he left behind in his will, right here in his final will. Think about your will right now. Most of us are worried about the money we're gonna leave behind, retirement, 401k, make sure our funeral's taken care of, all those things. Some of you are thinking, I don't got anything of those things taken care of, so I'm not doing a very good job. Well, I guess listen to Dave Ramsey. I don't know what to tell you. There's a plan that you go by and there's nothing wrong with those things. But once again, we put our stock 
into those things to think that that's gonna be the greatest thing that we can leave our kids. That's great to leave those things to your kids, your kids. But if you sacrifice peace and a legacy of peace, you've missed the boat. Because none of that goes to heaven with your kids. None of that goes to heaven with your grandkids. None of that does. The kindness and the goodness of the Lord and the peace that you walk in is the legacy that you wanna leave as parents. We wanna make sure that our kids know to trust in Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That's the peace that we, we have to pursue and that we have to go after. That's what, it, that's what it takes to not be afraid. Amen, church? And then we'll, probably the, the best part of this verse is the end. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God protects us in that hope, which is Christ Jesus. The reason that we can push through, the reason that Marsh is sitting over here in this chair still is because she is protected and she is guarded in Christ Jesus. You know, if we could spiritually see in the way that we would want to, I promise you there are angels encamped around them. There's angels at their vehicle. There's angels at their house. God has them. He's protecting them. He's guarding them. And the leader of the home has said, I ain't got the tools, God. And you know what heaven does? It sends all of them. And it camps. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Timothy Keller says this, the peace of God is not the absence of fear. It is, in fact, it is his presence. See, some of us, we, we think about our worst fear And we think that that's just the worst thing ever. If you're a believer in here today, think about being without God's presence. Oh, right? That's the security of our salvation. We don't ever have to fear that as believers, amen? God's presence is what it's all about. And in his presence, he is faithful, he is good. He is all the things that we need. The peace of God protects us in that hope. What does that mean? That military term guard means this. It is a military term meaning to protect a camp or a castle as they marched around securing what was valuable and strategic. When God's peace floods our lives, it will protect our valuable hearts from wrong feelings and our strategic minds from wrong thoughts. The enemy is unable to get to it when God's peace protects us. Where's the amens? We got, we are, we'll analyze things to death to try to find peace because we're trying to understand before we just surrender to God's peace. We'll analyze it to death. And I wanna tell you, church, if, if your peace has been stopped, it's been decoyed and you've bought into it, I got good news for you. Christ is still here and he can help you. All it requires is for you to take off your tool belt and your works, and the things that you're trying to do, lay it at the altar. Say, I'm done trying to do it my way. I want what you have, God. I want to be protected in ways I can't protect my family. I want to be guarded in ways that I can't guard my wife. I can't do that. There's certain things that we can't offer as men apart from what Jesus offers when we surrender as men to him and our leadership as husbands and fathers. 
And if you have it bowed down to that and put your tool belt down, it's a constant thing that has to happen in my life. Sometimes I got a screwdriver. God gets a chisel and a hammer out and says, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going there today. You ain't fixing it. I'm chiseling on you first. And that's what has to happen in us. If we're gonna walk in peace as believers, we've gotta understand that Jesus is our peace. It's him. It's him. And everything that we're doing, everything we're doing as the church, it surpasses all understanding and all of it's protected in Christ Jesus. And what a better place to be protected than in Christ Jesus, amen? That's where we wanna rest. That's where we wanna be. And you say, well, man, Preacher, I don't know about all this. How do, you, how do you know all these things? Where is the evidence of God's peace in the past? What does he offer? Maybe you don't know anything about the Bible. Maybe you don't know any of those things. God's peace was in the garden when Adam and Eve took the fruit. He, his peace was right there. We don't have the ability to take God's peace away. We can give it away by our choice, But God's peace was with Joseph as he entered Egypt as a slave. God's peace was there, and it looked like nothing was gonna go right for him. God's peace was with Moses as he looked at the Red Sea with over a million Israelites thinking, how's this water? How are we gonna get to the other side? Here come the Egyptians. And as the waters part, God's peace is there. God's peace was with Esther as she stood before the king and her life because she could be beheaded right there as she stood before the king, risking her life for God's people. God's peace was with Joshua as he stood before the walls of Jericho, ready to do what God has commanded them to do and shout to the top of their lungs and hope the walls fall. God's peace was with David, a teenage boy standing before Goliath with a rock and a sling and a fearless heart and a call on his life. God's peace was with Daniel, not bowing to the God of Babylon and getting to watch the mouth of lions shut. God's peace was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they heated that fire as much as they could and they never got burned. God's peace was with Jeremiah and Isaiah standing and weeping before God's people to repent and declaring the coming of a savior, church. He's coming. God's peace was in the 400 years of silence, of his voice. He was still there. God's peace was in the first cry of a baby from Nazareth that would be labeled the peace or the prince of peace. God's peace was in the sacrifice of his son's life and the release of the Holy Spirit upon the earth. You say, well, where's the evidence of God's peace today in Christ? Where is it today though? That's all old stuff. The Bible continues to remind us to remember what God's done, amen? as believers, to stir us forward in this. God's peace, it's in a couple committing their lives at an altar before God and people, coming under the covenant of marriage. It's in a sweet mama losing the life of a sweet baby in the womb. God's peace is still there, church. It's in the losing of a loved one in tragedy. God's peace is right there. The word says that that he is near to the brokenhearted. It's in the diagnosis of cancer from a doctor. It's in the middle of depression and mental health. It's in the middle of the affair of a spouse. It's still in the middle of the fight for the prodigal and the son and the daughter. It's in the marriage that sees no hope. It's in the fetus of a newborn who will never take a breath. 
It's in the homes and it's around the dinner table in Bushland, Texas. It's in his sons and his daughters across the world. And boy, it's in his bride and it's in his church. It's moving from heart to heart across every tribe and every nation. That's the peace of God. And it has not left and it's not leaving. It is available to you as a believer. It's available to you. And if you can have the audacity to walk out of the room today and you're running straight from the Lord, you're running. You ain't got no clothes on. You know right now you feel naked in the room. You feel like God has exposed everything on you. You're worried about the people that are sitting next to you, who's thinking things. You know how many mistakes I've made? I wanna tell you, that is the voice of the enemy. God is looking at you. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at you and he's seeing all the things that he's made right about you. He says that he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. God's looking at you and he wants to offer his peace to you. If you don't know him, if you're bitter, you're ate up with unforgiveness because you surrendered your peace to somebody. He's here for you if you need it. He loves you. And he's not gonna come up here and you're not gonna talk to these ministry teams and they're gonna say, it's about time. As the worship band comes back, when you come up here, God's not a God that says, I told you so. Have you read the prodigal son story? He runs to those that run to him. He draws them into his, right here, like a dad would hug a son. And he doesn't say, God, you've made a lot of mistakes. You know what he says? I love you and I'm glad you come home. Now let me straighten some things out. And let's go on a journey together. That's how good God is, amen? That's the God that we serve. He is a God of peace, church. Do not walk out of that door if God is asking you to surrender something. If you got a problem with an enemy at work and you have caused absolute ruckus and gossip around work, you better lay that up. People can eat us alive because our peace got stalked and we got decoyed. Let him have whatever is disturbed in you so that he can make it right. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your son and what he's done for us. And whoever's supposed to come today, God, this is your time, this is not our time. Pray that people would always feel welcome to come to this altar at the church at Bushland. God, we want and we desire. We don't wanna go anywhere where your presence doesn't go with us. Golly, help us to honor that every week. Help us to honor that, to go where you want us to go. Help us not to stray from that. Oh, such a sweet set, worship set today and such sweet, good things. Help us to always have an appetite for this today, Lord. And even when it's difficult and it's hard, God, you have a plan and you have a purpose. We pray for Mars today. I can't boss heaven around. I can't say, Jesus, do this and Jesus, do this. But I can humbly come before you and say, God, would you heal her? And if you don't, and there's a journey ahead, 
God, we know that you're gonna glorify yourself through that sweet couple over there. Pray you give her the strength to get through what she needs to get through. And I pray anybody else that is in that situation today that's hard and it's difficult and they don't know what to do, pray that they would tuck their words, put them in their pocket and they would come and unload them at the altar. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.